Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Perception versus the truth. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aaron on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, we're back with Connecting the Dots. And uh, unfortunately, our regularly or our scheduled guest uh, got caught up with a uh, a little emergency at an airport. So we're going to be just discussing some thoughts that have been brewing and bubbling in the back of my mind that will touch upon certain elements that I was going to talk about with the guest. And maybe we'll have him back on uh, in next week or the week afterwards. But um, one thing to keep in mind is that we recently overcame or at least passed through a um, a cop a cop 28 summit it uh, it transpired in Dubai and this was something which was a complete disaster as every single cop summit has been a disaster and I don't mean a disaster necessarily um, just for humanity the idea of it is a travesty but it was also a disaster for those organizing it who weren't able to get any of the binding carbon reduction uh, programs in place as they had been promising themselves and expecting themselves over the course of many, many years. And I was reminded by the uh, the original or one of the earliest COP summits, COP 14 in uh, 2009, which uh, which saw the release of the uh, emails, the internal emails from East Anglia University with uh, Phil Jones, who is the director of the uh, climate research unit at East Anglia, that just two weeks before were released by some moral, some insider with a bit of a conscience who had a problem, probably a scientist, uh, somebody working with statistics who had a problem with the fact that they were consciously lying to make the data fit the outcomes of the computer models, which East Anglia uh, had contrived as far as trying to project the idea that there is some correlation between carbon dioxide emissions caused by humans or carbon dioxide emissions more generally as a causal force for temperature changes on the earth. When those went public and it wasn't Russian hackers, it wasn't, an, it was, this was just like in the case of the Clinton emails that uh, went public. It wasn't because of hackers from the outside. It was done through the inside, somebody on the inside who wanted the world to understand how they were being duped. And it bought the world a lot of time because that destroyed the narrative of man-made climate change uh, in a big way. And you had Phil Jones and others openly saying, manipulate the data, ignore these data sets that are contradicting those outcomes we want to have. Such that by the time that the actual, I think it was December 2009, summit rolled around and you had Obama. You had um, Sarkozy and Angela Merkel and all of the the technocratic puppets brought together um, along with other world leaders from Africa, from Asia, from Russia. All of a sudden, nothing worked. And the promise for a green world government with new supranational beyond the touch of nation states instruments that were promised by Obama and Hillary Clinton, who were both there, were all sabotaged. The Chinese, the Indian delegations locked themselves in a room. Pretty much they were all commanded from Beijing and from New Delhi to basically go lock yourself in a room and don't come out for days. Bring some African countries with you. And, you know, Sudan, the Sudanese delegation and other countries from Africa joined them. 
and you had stories of Hillary Clinton and Obama knocking on the door, begging them, begging them to come out and participate in the climate talks wouldn't happen. So the whole thing was a wonderful disaster by the end, nothing binding. Then, you know, we had certain efforts made a few years later at this point, um, certain geopolitical bombs had been exploded in the course of Ukraine, the overthrow of governments there, certain governments that were belligerent, not cooperative in 2009, when there was both an economic crisis and a contrived pandemic scare, right? H1N1, as well as the banking crisis that could have been the systemic breakdown of 2009. All of a sudden, now in 2014, a lot of those people who were fighting President Bashir of Sudan, he was largely taken down. Sudan had been carved up as punishment for their defiance into a north and a south that would then be induced to fight each other. And people like Rhodes Scholar Susan Rice oversaw that. The uh, the destruction, the disturbances of, of the Arab Spring, a foreign-directed Muslim Brotherhood to coordinated operation through Western intelligence agencies that were disruptive of any government that was trying to create stability in North Africa or the, or the Middle East in the Arab world had to come undone. Gaddafi, Mubarak, um, the head of Tunisia, and then Syria, Bashar al-Assad, the big prize. All of this was done as a foreign um, color revolution to destabilize governments in the heart of Eurasia. And the idea wasn't just to get only the Arab countries to be destabilized or the African countries that were Muslim. The idea was to to also get at the, the environment in which Russia, India, China found themselves to destabilize any potential economic development and communication amongst those major civilizational forces. And in the case of Ukraine, we saw this something very, very similar being deployed, which is still causing a lot of suffering to this very day as far as a national endowment for democracy um, directed, State Department directed, Victoria Newland directed um, violent regime change that was done as well to oust a, a leader that was providing some sense of economic stability and growth, uh, Yanukovych, who for all of his corruption problems still at least had a competent, practical view of, of economic cooperation. And he chose to say, well, instead of a quick integration into the European Union as uh, the former color revolutionaries funded by Soros had been promising, let's instead uh, work with Russia and the Eurasian Economic Union led by Russia which wants us to have industry, that wants us to grow our nuclear power, that wants us to have not simply or not that does not want us to simply be um, a, a cash cropping outsourcer of agriculture with no industry as the European technocrats wish us to be. So as soon as he said that, that was the sin that forced um, the activation of a regime change project that was supposed to only start a year later. They started it a lot sooner. It involved certain um, influential operatives, mercenaries from different parts of the world, big time Georgia that we're going to hear in our, our third segment today. And a civil war was really launched, uh, again, to cut off the potential that Ukraine would play as the bridge between East and West through things like the Belt and Road Initiative, which Yanukovych was a big fan of, getting high-speed rail, other things to go from Asia all the way through Europe as the basis of a growth of industry and development, as well as with Russia. Um, things like Nord Stream, these various pipelines were uh, were obviously on the books for a very long time. That's been a big fear in the minds of a lot of oligarchs that wish to create scarcity 
so that we think that we only have to live with less. So that's something that had to be destroyed. And a bunch of neo-Nazis that were third, fourth generation even were useful in activating or reactivating that old Nazi Bandera spirit that did so much damage to so many innocent lives back in the 1930s and 40s. So now 2014 rolls around and we had all of a sudden a coup d'etat in the Vatican. You know, a lot of the 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 Catholic priests and bishops that were against depopulation, smelling a bit of sulfur whenever they heard that type of discussion occur, who were who were for the idea of development being the name of peace, which Pope John Paul II had earlier called for in his encyclicals in the 1980s and 90s, development being the basis upon which any true Christian economy had to be founded, real development. They had to be purged. And we saw that purging start, especially in 2013. 12, 13 in a big way. It had already been going on, but we saw a big Jesuit um, takeover, a coup d'etat inside the Vatican, which all of a sudden brought a lot of agencies that had formerly been resistant to eugenics, Malthus, um, depopulation, all of a sudden started cooperating a lot. And Pope Francis, what did he do? Of What name did uh, Bergoglio this this Jesuit bishop who worked with with Argentinian fascists in the 1970s, overseeing the murder of his own lower level Jesuit uh, liberation theologians who were fighting with the guerrillas against the the um, the fascists who were running Argentina. He oversaw their torture and murder, working collaborating with these Nazi affiliated Klaus Barbie of the Nazis was brought into Argentina as were many uh, Nazis, right? working and giving advice to the, un the the different administrations that were working for United Fruit, a CIA instrument used to destroy the development aspirations of much of South America. That, that United Fruit is what placed and worked very closely with all of the worst elements of fascists all across Latin America. And you had Bergoglio, the Jesuit bishop, working directly with these creatures um, sabotaging any anti-imperial resistance. And it's this guy who becomes the Pope? No. And what does he name himself? Pope Francis of Assisi. There's a lot of good Franciscans throughout history who did a lot of good. But I got to say, that spoke loudly why he chose to do that. Pope Fr Francis of Assisi was the guy who was giving sermons to birds and bugs and spiders and squirrels um, with the logic that they're they're equally sacred as human life, that there is no qualitative difference since we're all made by God. We're all equally a rock, a tree, uh, a bug, a cow is all equally sacred as a human baby. And as soon as you as soon as the mind uh, loses that differentiation between the superiority qualitatively of a human life versus something else within the biosystem, you, you become ripe for fascism, I'm sorry. And um, and Pope Francis, the first thing this guy does is he organizes the uh, an encyclical that calls for the greening of Christianity that actually openly acknowledges within his 2014 encyclical that, uh, that the Promethean idea of Christ, of Jesus, and I'm saying this story now because we're on the verge of Christmas, right? So it's important to just have a little a little discussion about Jesus, a, a character who doesn't show up at all. I think most most millennials think that uh, Christmas is all about uh, the day Santa Claus was born, maybe or something. I'm not even too sure. But the idea of the Promethean Christ 
is what is wrong with society. And he writes that Prometheus, who stole fire from Zeus to give it to man out of a love of humankind, even at the expense of, of being tortured by Zeus for his defiance of Zeus's law. This is the story of Aeschylus for those who don't know. Zeus, Zeus's law was that mankind must be a plaything for the gods, the immortals, and the mortals, the low-level mortals must live always in caves, in ignorance, to make the gods happy, and occasionally suffer periodic depopulations by the immortals of the gods of Olympus. And only the immortals were allowed to have knowledge of fire and the associated things with fire, like technology. And Aeschylus writes how Prometheus... The demigod said, no, this is wrong. And he felt he saw potential in mankind and stole that fire and shared it with mankind. And with that, as Aeschylus describes, mathematics, animal husbandry, mineralogy, the arts, the sciences, astronomy, all of that came with fire and mankind was no longer a beast, was something of a greater nature. That character of the Promethean Christ that Augustine fought for, that uh, Thomas More, that Benjamin Franklin, that all of the greatest leaders of the West that gave rise to the greatest explosions of creative Renaissance development that overcame the limits to growth that brought new discoveries and an awe of God's creation in nature by encouraging cultures of, of children who knew how to read of literacy of an excitement towards discoveries that movement. They were, that was a Promethean Christian movement. Zeus was was understood as being the, the embodiment of oligarchism. That is that that Zeus is the essential character of the oligarchical way of thinking. And Prometheus is the representative of the Martin Luther King Jr.'s, the, the John F. Kennedy's. Everybody who was able to recognize that the health of their immortal souls and the understanding that their life would only have meaning if they do the greatest good possible that gave them happiness, even at the expense of their comfort and even of their lives if need be. This is the type of personality that we all have access to. I, I see no reason to, to think otherwise. And this is the, th the very thing which the oligarchy is afraid of and despises. And this is what Pope Francis directly took aim at saying this is the cause of everything wrong with civilization that gave rise to the industrial revolution, that gave rise to the disequilibrium of the Garden of Eden which was the idealized stasis of goodness when mankind was perfectly in obedience with God's law, when he didn't know knowledge, didn't sin by seeking knowledge or knowing good and evil, when we were just happy being just beasts like any other beast. This is what was done that gave rise to COP 14, uh, sorry, the later COP 21 and the Paris Accords, which uh, we're going to say a little bit more about when we come back from this break on TNT radio uh, for those just listening or watching, always be sure to check out tntradio.live for both this show and every show that you could possibly watch. So we'll come back in a few moments. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 
49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So we were uh, we're back now with Connecting the Dots on TNT Radio. I'm your host, Matthew Arrett. Uh, we were just talking, um, or I was just talking a little off the cuff, but in, in terms of getting people to appreciate the value and importance of this concept of human beings made in the image of a living, loving, reasonable creator. That concept, which does manifest in different ways, it's a universal truth. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to find if you look for it in different cultures that 
grew up in different parts of the world, this concept emerged in its own way. But every time it emerges, human beings find themselves, what their true self actually is. They integrate their desires and their sense of duty, their sense of understanding in a greater and greater degree with certain expected beautiful effects in the in the measurable world of history an increase in ability to make discoveries an increase in ability to sustain more people at a higher quality of life than the previous generation that didn't have new discoveries that were made along the way that ability to leap beyond the limits to growth and discover new and better forms of organizing one society in defense of the ne the necessary desires for liberty and dignity that those people organizing themselves have, along with the, the increased technologies or uses of fire, the different types of fire, right? Fire can burn from both wood, but with the course of discoveries, other animal species don't use fire. You know, other animal species, even the ones that use certain primitive forms of tools, they will not use fire, they will run away from fire. Only human beings use this, this fourth state of matter, this, this quality of plasma, right? You met solid, liquid, gas, the three basic states, but there's the, the fourth state of, of plasma. Light, light itself is an electromagnetic process. It is, an emit, it is emitted by fire. There's a charge that, it, that occurs with the light that emits whenever you have fire, but also that heat can be something which gets better, that it gets more dense whenever you go from, let's say, wood, which is a very obvious thing to start burning, to all of a, and, and all of a sudden, by burning it, you can go into areas that are not materially conducive to life. You can have your body stay warmer. You could cook food that lasts longer. You could have healthier expectations for your children with the knowledge of fire. But also, you don't have to stay with just wood. There's only so much wood to go around. Right. It is it is replenishable. But at the end of the day, you can't chop down an entire forest just to burn as the people on Easter Island discovered uh, a little too late in the game, how cutting down all the trees results in dark ages and cannibalism. But you can go towards discovering later on how certain burning other things that you discover under the ground, like coal, can give you a lot more heat can burn for a lot longer, more efficiently, and, and allow you to do even more, more things than simply burning wood and coke, another more advanced form of, of coal that is created through more innovations can also be burned. But then beyond that, this, this goopy, goopy black stuff, which for most of human history, farmers didn't want when they discovered that their land had goopy black stuff coming out of it, they, that made most people angry because that meant that they couldn't use their land for growing food. All of a sudden, through the discoveries, a metaphysical discovery in the mind of certain creative individuals, all of a sudden, new technologies are innovated that allows for the recognition that burning this quality of black goopy stuff can get us even greater heat densities than anything that had been used in the realm of coal or, or wood earlier. So burnt a, a smaller volume of this fuel source would create a greater quality of reliable heat. This, this is an idea that people like Lyndon LaRouche had developed, the late economist and, and uh, philosopher had developed extensively over 50 years of his productive life, energy flux density. And that every time we do this, 
we have a greater sphere of discoveries that open up to us. More people can be sustained with greater access to their their deeper mental creative powers. And when you go even beyond that, one can discover that even the atom itself, that all we're we're all made of atoms, but that the atom has a power of energy locked up within it, that if you can start utilizing um, forms of radiation, certain types of chain reactions that involve, uh, you know, inducing neutrons in a coordinated way to induce a chain reaction, you could all of a sudden get nuclear reactions that release a lot more heat, a tiny milligram of potent fissile uranium can all of a sudden create a higher quality of heat than a barrel of oil or a truckload of coal or 10 truckloads of, of wood. And at less labor, less human labor is needed to make this work. And it can sustain itself for a long time. And going to third and fourth generation nuclear power reactors, going to thorium molten salt reactors, and obviously going to the next phase of fusion power would be the next forms of fire that Prometheus, the Promethean spirit would bring about. And this is what Pope Francis, as we were just saying before the break, directly took aim at in his Laudato Si encyclical that then established the idea, not to the agreement of every person within the Catholic Church, but this was a real assertion of Zeus's dominance, the Zeusian Christianity, which is not a Christianity at all. It's much more of a, a sulfur-smelling form of Christianity or of, of Satanism masquerading as Christianity, which devalues the sacredness of human life as something, as a steward of nature, as something that is endowed by the creator to, to, um, to be fruitful and multiply. That doesn't just mean quantitatively multiply, but it also means to be fruitful qualitatively. So qualitative and quantitative. That's what's in Genesis 24, 25, 26 is, the, and, and to work by the sweat of your brow to know and judge good and evil, but to do it well, right? That's, that's part of what came with getting out of the garden. And we are not a creature of stasis anymore. That comes with, with difficulty. There is now responsibilities that we had with knowledge of the use of fire. Um, and it doesn't mean not to judge, but it means that if we are to judge, we have to know ourselves. We have to be prepared to be judged. So we have to make sure that we clean up our own act as well before we go out into the world and start judging evil as people like John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King or Erasmus and Thomas More had done earlier or so many others throughout history um, who really take a stand in the defense of humanity. And keep in mind too, why was the Catholic Church or any church for that matter, why was any expression of Christianity such a threat and still is such a threat to systems of feudalist oligarchists? Well, look, I mean, I'm from Quebec. Quebec used to be Christian. Now, the, the, most of the, the churches that one would see anywhere in the province, much as in the same case for Ireland, are either just reformatted condos they've, or, or they've been torn down or they're just empty relics or they're hosting Anglican sex orgies um, and burlesque shows. That, that's another thing that a lot of our churches or old cathedrals are being used for in, in Quebec these days. But if you look back in the 1940s and 50s, things like the eugenical review that was overseen by eugenicists and ecologists, the founder of the ecology movement who worked with Prince Philip, uh, the late Prince Philip and Prince Bernhard, the SS Nazi um, operator who founded the Bilderberger Group. And that Julian Huxley, who oversaw the eugenical review, were writing and complaining 
that they weren't able to pass their sterilization laws so easily in the 1940s and 50s because organized Christians from Quebec were going down and organized uh, lobby groups all the way down to Illinois, New York, all across Canada. They were organizing uh, against the bringing in of eugenics, the, the, the science, the pseudoscience of sterilizing the unfit. Um, they were against the reforms. They were against bringing in um, radical Darwinian overhauls of the nature of mankind in teaching. They were the ones stopping the Malthusian logic from being infused into the young, malleable, baby boomer young people who were being uh, conditioned by this new takeover of society. And this had to be stopped. And they were complaining. You could read these different eugenical review complaints, and it's fascinating. And then to see how these various uh, Christians, Christians were organizing to develop massive in industrial programs for the overcoming of limits to growth, for ending human hunger. We had this in Quebec with um, um, Paul Sauvé, the premier who died, probably assassinated after four months where he was trying to reorganize the entire system um, and unleash massive hydroelectric development. His close friend, uh, Daniel Johnson Sr., became premier for two years, fought and advanced the greatest density of industrial development, working with Charles de Gaulle working and coordinating with Bobby Kennedy, another Catholic um, Christian who was organizing against the depopulation agenda with John F. Kennedy, who had been working to help people like um, W.A.C. Bennett, the premier of British Columbia in the 1950s and 60s, organizing the development of rail, of hydroelectric power in British Columbia, taking down and nationalizing the private, um, you know, Power Corporation of British Columbia that was also had a branch in Quebec that was being fought over by Daniel Johnson in these groupings. You had um, you had this everywhere you look. De Gaulle himself was organizing had a had a profound view of his soul and a, and an identity as a, a true with what one might call a muscular Christian. These were the groupings that organized with Franklin Roosevelt earlier to take to take down the power structures and the monopolies of J.P. Morgan during the Pecora commissions of the 1930s that exposed a lot of the evils of, of promoting fascism that J.P. Morgan and his other, uh, the other Wall Street assets were doing and engaged in, also supporting and funding eugenics as a, a pseudoscience. This was all exposed by this grouping. You saw this also in, the, in various groupings within Protestantism that were working together with Catholics, with Muslims, Right. We saw this with Martin Luther King Jr., the Baptist minister, working with Mar Malcolm X when Malcolm X came back from Mecca and realized that uh, what he had been doing with the Nation of Islam was based on a CIA, FBI run COINTEL fraud. That this was not actually true Islam. And he recognized that, no, we have to end up collaborating and working together, that it's not about black versus white. This is about morality. And as soon as he came back from Mecca with this new understanding and collaboration with Martin Luther King Jr., that's when he had to be eliminated. And people could read Malcolm X's autobiography to get a sense of that fight or li listen to the speeches by Martin Luther King Jr., who had Jews and Christians and Muslims together recognizing that we had to fight for the dignity of human beings, regardless of what religion or race or gender, whatever, humans are humans first. So this is what people like 
Pope John Paul II was also doing when he was calling out the imperialists, calling for development as the name of peace in his 1980-81 encyclicals, working with Indira Gandhi, with the leadership of, of uh, Lopez Portillo of Mexico, who had all been calling for a new economic architecture based on sovereign nation states cooperating with national banks, the right to use protective tariffs for the industrial needs to end hunger, war, scarcity. That's These are the, the the people who were all killed. I mean, they didn't end up killing John Paul II, but they nearly did by an MK Ultra PSYOP who shot him. He came back weak, just like Reagan did. Around the same time, Reagan was getting shot when Reagan was calling also for a creation of a, of a system of cooperating nation states in 1981. Um, well, this is what has to happen, right? In the mind of an oligarch, you have to eliminate these types of, of personalities, the Indira Gandhis, her son Rajiv. Um, you have to paint them as the evildoers or control them as much as possible and weaken their minds as much as possible, as was done with Reagan, who, when he came out of the, the hospital, was a much, much weaker man, uh, all too trusting of people like Kissinger and others. And unfortunately, same thing with Pope John Paul II. By the time the 1990s are rolling around, this guy is weak and getting weaker mentally, morally, exhausted probably, um, to the point that we just see what was what was already bubbling under under um, in the basement, coming more and more to the surface as far as a satanic takeover of the functions of the church. We saw the same thing as well with the uh, inside of the 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 Protestant world in you know in a similar way. We saw that with the creation of the, I mean, where does John Hagee, Benny Hinn, who are calling for a first strike against Iran, the great Satan, uh, you know, who are who are organizing the Dick Cheney lovers and the neocons who are just relishing the idea of bringing in Armageddon, the Battle of Megiddo, such that the Messiah could come back after a, a premillennialist rapture, a secret rapture. Where did all of this stuff come from? Was this, in, is this there in the Bible? Actually, no. When anybody reads the Bible or Thessalonians or the book of Revelations, you don't see any exp explicit discussion of a rapture, of the idea that human beings are obligated to play any kind of role in making Armageddon happen. In fact, evidence that I've seen points to the fact that what's being discussed in the book of Revelation by John actually is referencing things that were happening in Rome under Nero. That was what was being discussed in the imagery the allegorical imagery, but then you had these British occultists like the, the Plymouth Brethren under John Nelson Darby setting up a new set of synthetic cults out of which Aleister Crowley arose and the exclusive Darbyist Brethren that were trying to revive Gnostic Christianity. Um, the secret doctrines, kind of like a Kabbalistic variation of Christianity, um, except instead of it being a Kabbalah for the Jews, it was a, a different type of secret doctrine for the Christians catered to their psyche that John Darby organized when he popularized premillennial dispensationalism and had an interpretation of the Bible of the secret rapture that then gave rise to the Schofield Bible, right? The Schofield himself had the most purchased Bible of the world in the, in the 20th century. And he directly used as his reference, John Nelson Darby, the guy who worked directly with a British intelligence operation and Jesuits like Jose Rivera, who was a Jesuit operator who uh, was the first to innovate the idea of rebuilding Solomon's temple and ushering in an end times for new Babylon at some point. That was part of the Council of Trent of the 16th century. That was part of the Counter-Reformation, all controlled operations geopolitically 
to make sure that the Renaissance could be crushed from within and, and Christianity made confused and weaponized and by these operatives from above and from within. And this is what created Pentecostalism, the idea of an Anglo-American special relationship to create and bring about and oversee the end times. That Pentecostalism, which was the direct outgrowth of people like Darby and others who are following the, the writings of Ribera from British intelligence, this is what contaminated and created the Moody Bible College, the thing that Pat Robertson and his grouping of whatever it is, 700 came out of, or the, um, the Prophecy Club, or John Hagee, Benny Hinn, that whole network, that all was, it's, that's an intelligence operation to disrupt and destroy the type of process that people like Martin Luther King Jr. and authentic Christians were doing back in the night throughout all of history. And the same thing was happening in the Catholic world. The same thing was being infused and in undermining the Muslim world with things like the Muslim Brotherhood, utilizing various British-run Freemasonic groups. Same thing was being done in Judaism as well, creating a, a political Zionist um, Kabbalist operation under people like Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook, the first British selection for the head Ashkenaz rabbi that was a Kabbalist, a believer in the New World Order, in the conflagration of the world. So all that to say, I'm ranting a little bit, but we're going to continue this line of thought a little bit more after a quick break on TNT Radio, Connecting the Dots. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility, you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? The answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Around here, Bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare, to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. Barrett and connecting the dots on today's news talk radio TNT. All right, we're going through a little bit of a what's become a I guess a bit of a Christmas sermon in a in a weird geopolitical way, a geopolitical Christmas sermon. Um, recently, the the COP twenty seven summit in Cairo last year featured a strange ritual featuring um, what was sold as an ecumenical. Um, party of sorts on Mount Sinai, the, the mountain uh, reputed to have been uh, the place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. 
And a new Ten Commandments were uh, created and unveiled by a grouping of Buddhists and nominally Christians of various denominations and Muslims and Jews who came together under some weird nonprofit organization that was tied to the COP27 summit and said, no, now we have a new updated Ten Commandments. The old ones are no longer applicable. Um, the new ones are, are what we're going to now try to promote and go with for the new age. And uh, basically, just like the encyclical that I was referencing in a, in a previous break or before pre the previous break, the encyclical Laudato Si of 2014 that ushered in the idea that um, that 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 the green the green Gaia Christ was the is the only new Christ that we're going to go with, and being a steward of the land meant simply living like other animals in harmony with nature without disrupting the supposed sacred stability and supposedly sacred balance that is natural's nature's natural equilibrium that all of our mathematical models presume exists as this homeostasis that fiction of computer modeling shaped and popularized by the MIT Club of Rome project overseen by David Rockefeller and trilaterals brought into the world world economic forum that those computer models were what was infused with the sacred as we were told what the new normal was. We thought foolishly that we should go forth, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. And that's how to be stewards of the land, that we were somehow sacred above the sacredness of chickens. But no, the new, the new morality, the new wisdom, as we were told by these new Moses and the, uh, the new Jesuit um, followers, of uh, of Pope Francis's theosophy, or th yeah, well, I'll call it theosophy. His theosophy was actually to uh, to be to be animals, sacred animals, and all animals require, of course, um, especially in a zoo, a zookeeper. But that that that's the quiet part. You you can't say that part out loud. Now, this idea of uh, the new revived, renovated Ten Commandments of uh, of, of living with less, having the idea of, 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 of ending the sin of being a, a climate offender, right? The sin being, of course, carbon dioxide emissions, methane, um, utilizing nitrogen-based fertilizers, chemical fertilizers in, uh, in agriculture. All of these things are pollution. And the way to mitigate this pollution is not just to... Um, shut it all down just like that, but to pay money to monetarily incentivize so that if you're a company with a lot of money, you can buy indulgences, just like the Dominican run inquisition of the, of the medieval world. You can buy an, and also Franciscan run uh, inquisition of the medieval world. You can buy indulgent indulgences to get out of hell um, with money and buy through cap and trade and, and carbon swapping. You can, you could, you can all of a sudden buy your way out of this green syntax and uh, and all of a sudden that will be the basis of a new economy that will put place a value on reducing your climate footprint. This is what Mark Carney, uh, another central bank green priest, has advocated. Um, Michael Bloomberg, Bill Gates, many others. And instead of the former ethos, which has been that increasing productivity, increasing industry, which means also increasing how many people you could have would be a good thing that you would want to in a healthy industrial capitalist 
society. You'd want to have that ethic, the morality tied to valuing why it's good to have more people. It's good to have more production because it, more production means more ability to have more more minds. More minds are the resource that creates resources, right? The, the child, the baby is pure potential. Every baby, if it can be given the love, the moral values, the sense of good boundary conditions that shape the, the development of a mature reason in a healthy culture that loves the good, that's taught to appreciate the joys of the of goodness, those types of babies will, will be the Mozarts, the Beethovens, the scientific geniuses, the Max Planck's, the Madame Curies that will make the ongoing discoveries with this immaterial quality of mind that isn't located in the material world, but that causes all material growth, right? Mind, what the Russian academician of Vladimir Vernotsky, the founder of the, the school of biogeochemistry dubbed the newosphere, the newos noetic meaning the Greek word for mind as a, as a geological force of nature. That would be a domain which is pure mind that that is that is demonstrating the power of something metaphysical but n intelligible not not unknowable not irrational that must be divine that is capable of improving discovering and thus improving on creation as a whole the entire universe such that the idea of human beings being isolated and locked into simply this one blue planet, third rock from the sun, is no longer the thing. And space, outer space is no longer this cold, dead place where you go to die, where nobody can hear you scream, where aliens are out to kill you, right? It's no longer that. Space becomes re-understood in the mind of somebody thinking in this direction, like a John F. Kennedy who is looking to the stars and beyond as the basis of a home that we evolved in, but we didn't do it through, through simply survival of the fittest mechanisms. There is a, an ongoing perfectibility, a moral perfectibility built into the fabric of nature itself as Kennedy understood this. And as many others who challenged the oligarchy understood this, which allows us to green a desert, which is why you have right now a policy where through India and China who, who destroyed the COP 14 summit program for green world government in 2009 who have been working very hard with other countries to disrupt and not not agree to any binding climate redu or carbon reduction policies it's through these two countries specifically that it's been proven that the world has now more bio biomass than it did in the 1990s despite the fact that more industry has been created and that is through purely and this has been admitted 90 almost no not 90 sorry 79 percent of that has been through the 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 greening pro, uh, programs of China and of India, who who have led the way at taking the Gobi Desert and moving water, diverting water, desalinating water, moving it into desert regions, replanting uh, trees, taking water that's that's in underground in aquifers as well, and bringing it to the surface like Gaddafi was doing. Well, this is what's also being done in Eurasia, and so. And also producing coal, like burning coal, burning oil, fossil, like these things called that some have called fossil fuels. I'm not sold on that at all. But hydrocarbons that seem to be replenishing. This is actually producing food for plants. If you're a farmer, you want to have carbon dioxide machines in your greenhouses because having up to 1400 particles uh, PPM, uh, parts per million of carbon dioxide particles 
up to 1400 ppms in a greenhouse produces lush, fast growing, nutritious vegetables. The average on the earth is something like 390. So food, uh, green things love CO2. They enjoy it. They produce more oxygen when they get it. They're happy. So this is a way to green also. If we're going to green the Sahara Desert, eventually this should be a plan that we have. The Sahara used to be green. 5,000 years ago, it was green. We don't know why a lot of that water went under the Sahara. We don't know. We know that that Qaddafi and others have worked very hard at bringing some of that water up before NATO killed him. But we can do it. That's what Franklin Roosevelt was also organizing back in the 1940s with leaders of Africa who he was working with. And this has been recounted in As He Saw It, a book by his son, who was his advi- his advisor and assistant during these periods um, of the of the making the Sahara balloon through desalination. Again, tapping into waters in aquifers, doing water diversion projects. We had this also with Nawapa, the North American Water and Power Alliance in uh, in North America that Bobby Kennedy was fighting for, was advocating, was supporting. Frank Moss, the senator, was behind this. We're all in opposition to the Malthusians, which involved taking about 10% of the water runoff in the Arctic and moving it down through a system of about 70 different lifts, pumps, uh, locks down through the continent in natural um, river systems or natural structures within the topology of the Rocky Mountains down into all the way down into Mexico that would have greened all of California and would have made also an immense amount of hydroelectric power along the way and created an industrial renaissance that would have been easily a role model for other nations of the world. Congo today has the great potential to do that by refilling the Lake Chad River Basin. China is already doing it. They're the only country doing something so big as the as Nawapa once was with their move South Water North project to green the Gobi Desert. This is what humans can do when we have dignity and we appreciate that there's something special about life that allows us to not simply abide by the same limits of what other animals must abide by according to the laws of their genetics and their material environments that they were grown, that they were born into. That's what other, that's why no other, any other monkey species, wolf, chicken that you find in nature, they, their species quantity will grow only according to material and genetic reasons. If there's a drought, the mommy rabbits will eat the baby rabbits and the populations will, will, will regulate. With human beings, if we're not acting like animals, we don't have to cannibalize. We don't have to eat bugs. We can actually have greater qualities of life and we can mitigate the types of dangers or even foresee those types of dangers like the inevitable ice ages, which are caused not by anything to do with industrial civilization, but what the, what the sun is doing in things we have yet to fully discover. And we have to admit what we don't know. And then we're free to make discoveries once we admit that. Then this is what you don't get. I mean, the, the amount of hubris with the computer the computer scientists, I don't even want to call them scientists, but the 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 human computers, like Yuval Harari, like the people who think like the Club of Rome computer modelers, who think that that's how the universe works. And that's what that's how we have to think of the sacred, who are shaping and advising Pope Francis. We're shaping and advising um, the technocrats, of the World Economic Forum. They they don't get this. They they think that human beings are just another mixture of some bestial animal mixed with a little bit of logical machinery, 
And if they think that way, of course they believe that human beings will go extinct as robots and AI, you know, replace us naturally because a robot can calculate, can use logical processing of deductive and inductive reasoning faster and quicker than human, than any human brain can. And thus, of course, computers are superior to humans. And of course, unless we can merge, we're told by Elon Musk or Zuckerberg or any of these, these transhumanists, unless we merge and fuse with technology by implanting brain chips, um, we will go extinct like the dinosaurs. Is that any of that true? Or merging with or our DNA and manipulating our DNA with CRISPR, mRNA, manipulative technology, then we'll go extinct. And so we have to go brave new world. Is any of this true? Well, if you think like a computer, yeah, you can't really then justify why a computer is somehow inferior to you. If you think like an animal or you, and, and your, your lusts are so untempered by any boundary condition that reason or conscience would compel, if that's the case, yeah, you can't really argue why overpopulation is not the greatest threat ever. But if you think like a human being with dignity and you're working to make your conscience work better, to make your mind and your understanding of the boundary conditions of nature better, such that you understand why increasingly doing the good is something you want to do and not simply you must do, like you're not a tyrant to yourself, then you're tapping into something that allows for an integrated whole Promethean power of human beings that we all have within us that has that can always be improved upon because we're never going to be angels we're never going to be perfect but as long as we're focusing on making ourselves better being more humble self-examining our hearts as the new testament compels in so many ways as well as our assumptions right our our core foundational assumptions we have to constantly examine what are called axioms and do it in humility without assuming that we're finished, that now we have, we know everything we need to know and we can just go on autopilot and trust in our mindless actions. That's a great way to fall for the traps that are being set for us to see China as the great boogeyman supervillain that we have to support as we go to war, say the followers of John Hagee, who are uh, calling for, you know, or Russia, as the new, we won't, we will, we won't be inclined to interpret Russia as the new antichrist that we have to go to war with in some ordained battle at Megiddo, um, the way Darbyite British intelligence operatives tell us we have to, or tell us that that's how we have to interpret the world. So we'll be more human, and baby Jesus will be more happy with us, I believe, and we'll be more capable of resisting the Great Reset and understanding the way that technology, science, and government should work in our defense and in opposition to systems of evil and Satanism. So with that, this has been Connecting the Dots segment two. We're going to go for a quick commercial break and we're going to come back with a geopolitical guest. 